0: Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for February 6, 2024. How long can the strong job market continue? January's jobs report was released last week, showing the economy added 353,000 new jobs last month, much higher than many expected. With many economists forecasting a recession this year, how much longer can the job market stay this resilient? Or are the odds of a soft landing starting to increase? This is Brian Kirk, and with us today to discuss the surprising strength of the job market, we have Nationwide's Chief Economist, Kathy Bustancic, and Senior Economist, Ben Ayers. Kathy, Ben, thanks for joining us today. Kathy, as we ended 2023, many thought labor would be cooling as the new year started, but based on January's report, it would appear that hiring has actually reaccelerated. I'm sure many people are asking you this question right now, but what seems to be driving the demand for jobs right now and how widespread is it?
1: Yeah, thanks Brian. Friday's number was really a surprise. The increase of 353,000 as you indicated for January, you know, topped all estimates. And that came on top of upward revisions of 126,000 additional jobs counted in December. And, and November and December was revised up to 333,000. So we had two back-to-back very strong numbers and, and actually represents an acceleration in, in job growth. You know, we had really been talking about last year, 2023 was really the year of economic resilience overall in the labor market. But here you actually a surprising an acceleration. And when you look into the details, the employment gains were more widespread than we had seen in the prior months, meaning in in the prior months, the last three or four, what we were seeing is the gains, overall gains were slowing, still strong, but slowing, but they were really concentrated in what we would say are acyclical sectors of the labor market, meaning the non-cyclical, so government, healthcare, and education in fact for a while uh, over the last you know prior months we were seeing somewhere between you know 80 to 90% of the job gains were really highly concentrated in those sectors so that meant the more cyclical se- sectors of the labor market were showing um, a a great moderation in in employment gains but the january data and then the revisions to december really set that on on top of its head so the whole idea that the economy was even heading towards as you said the soft landing we now have to pause and say whoa is it a soft landing we're we getting some kind of odd reacceleration? now i should also add there are some seasonal adjustment factors that go into place in in january even december has a fair amount of that so trying to estimate for example one example of that would be like how many retail workers were hired that were temporary in december to deal with the holiday shopping season and then how many are are let go in, in January? So seasonal factors try to smooth that out so we don't have these really lumpy readings month to month. But sometimes the seasonal factors can overdo it. Um, so that's one thing. That's one thing we have to be alert to is, is this just sort of a head fake. I think the, the other thing that was really surprising in the number was that the average hourly earnings figure jumped higher. It was up six tenths of a percent that lifted the year-on-year rate to 4.5. We had seen the year-on-year pace for for wages slowing. Now we saw, again, this reacceleration. That monthly increase of six-tenths, that was the highest since March of 2022. But it also came with a, with a number of reading that stands out in just the opposite direction. The average work week contracted six-tenths of an hour. You know, And that was after a three-tenths drop in December, so that left the average work week at 34.1 hours. It actually was down half an hour from the previous year. So typically, if the labor market's really strong and there's high demand for workers, you'd see the headcount, the number of payrolls increasing. You'd see average hourly earnings increasing at a pretty good clip, but you'd also see the an expansion of the work week or at least it wouldn't contract. So it's a little bit of a head scratcher. And it could be there's some anomaly there too. You know we just we need more data. I guess, as Chairman Powell said, he needs more data to to determine whether they're at the point and when they're ready to start cutting rates. We need more data because there's just so many of these statistics stand out in in a a way that's not necessarily consistent with, with all the other readings we've seen. And the drop in the work week could have artificially pushed up average hourly earnings. Because again, if you're you know, based on a salary worker, let's say, and your work week, the number of hours you worked fell, it means your average hourly pay raise increase went up. And, and so it may have exaggerated that. So we'll take a look at that as we go forward to get a better sense of really has demand for labor picked up and how that plays out. But our baseline still remains that we get a a slowdown in economic activity and even possibly a mild recession uh, by the middle of, of this year. Clearly the data right now suggests upside risk to our view, but again, we'll watch the incoming data to get a better sense of things.
0: thank you, Kathy. In terms of more data, uh, ben, the unemployment report held steady last week at a low 3.7%. So what does this say about the overall economy, and how sustainable are these low unemployment numbers like this? Well,
2: at a high level, it tells us that the labor market remains pretty tight. You know, Earlier this year, the unemployment rate moved up from its cycle low of 3.4% to about 3.8%, and there was some concern that maybe this is a sign the labor market's slowing. We're starting to see that slowdown that we were expecting to see. But now it's been steady for three consecutive months at that 3.7 rate. So it's still pretty clear that labor demand has continued to be solid and that most of new entrants into labor force are finding it still pretty easy to find a new job when you're looking out across the market. And the low unemployment rate, at again, at 3.7%, really aligns with many of the other indicators, like the ratio of job openings to unemployed workers which still sits at 1.4% and still really low levels of weekly initial jobless claims that tell us that workers still have the upper hand in the market right now. We're, we see this in the wage data as well, which show that pay is climbing faster than usual across most of the industries that we look at in the economy. Kathy already mentioned average hourly earnings, you know, still up 4.5% on the, over the past year as of January. and That's a pretty fast pace, not as fast as it's been earlier in the pandemic, but still a pretty fast pace. Wages and salaries within the employment cost index were up 4.3% over 2023. That's far above the long-term median for that indicator as well. So maybe while wages aren't climbing as rapidly as they did earlier in the pandemic uh, back in 2021 or 2022, you know, still climbing pretty solidly. And that, that tells us that the tight labor market is still driving up compensation for most workers in most sectors. And I think that's really the main concerning part here. You know, It's good for workers, but you know there are some consequences of that as well, and particularly that's as it relates to inflation. Any unemployment reading below what economists call Nehru or the non-accelerating inflation rate of unemployment, a term that only an economist could love, I think, is, is actively adding to the inflationary pressure across the economy. Now, Nehru is notoriously hard to measure, and it tends to change over time. Um, but most estimates would place at about 45 to 5% when you look at the market right now. So, you know, we still have an unemployment rate at 3.7% here in early 2024, and that means that most economists like us would say that, you know, the tight conditions in the labor market are still actively feeding inflation and, and adding to pressure there instead of actively kind of working against that and pulling inflation back down to earth. Now, there are some slight signs that slack is slowly building in the labor market, so you know the high interest rates that the Fed has pushed through over the past couple of years are trying to work on the margins. You know the broader U6 unemployment rate, which includes underemployed workers, climbed to 7.2% in January. That's up from a cycle low of six and a half percent. So there's more workers out there that are saying, "I can only find part-time work uh, as opposed to full-time work in the market." And also the quits rate has slowed back to pre-pandemic norms. So there's more workers that are choosing to remain in place in their job rather than test the market and find a better job elsewhere. So these are signs that, you know, things are coming back to earth a little bit. But, again, both of these are still relatively tight compared to the history for these readings and don't really suggest that there's going to be a rapid loosening of labor conditions anytime
0: soon. Thank you, Ben. Back to Kathy. Kathy, earlier you mentioned that average hourly earnings continue to rise, but that there's also a steep drop in average weekly hours worked so, what could this say about how businesses are preparing for a possible downturn?
1: Yeah, thanks, Brian. Yeah, you know, what we've actually seen is the the average work week contract since you know, following uh, the 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 end of the kind of the pandemic period Um prior w- when we had the um, downturn uh, that was related to to um, COVID, we saw not only employment collapse but also initially we saw the work week but then eventually the work week started to expand because companies would be slow to hire workers or maybe they had trouble finding them. as Ben said there wasn't as much supply but they increased um, the work week that the hours that we were all working that hurt a peak but has since really been trending decidedly downward so what we don't know is if this, really sharp drop in January we got of six tenths. Again, that follows on top of Decembers, which when you add it up, um you know, almost almost a full hour drop just in two months, if that's just part of that trend and sort of an acceleration, or like I said, somewhat of an anomaly, and we we start to maybe we get the data revised a bit or we get a bounce back. But it also, you know, not only are we unwinding the increase of the work week that was related to the pandemic, we're also seeing companies be a bit more cautious. So they may be hiring more people, but as Ben said, some of these hires, if you look at the household data, seem to be part-time. Now, they're getting hired part-time because they want to. It's not part-time for economic reasons. That reading is stays pretty low. So that's encouraging in that the labor market is still healthy. But but that said, you're seeing more people, bodies, right, more increase in the payrolls, but companies cautious on the hour. So it may suggest they're still uncertain as as to whether, you know, the outlook looks so rosy. And, and I would add that overall, there's still a lot of uncertainty here, right? The Fed cannot really declare victory either on the inflation or on the economy front. Um, inflation is still not, as they said, they're not fully confident we're back to a trend that would suggest 2% is very, very attainable. They want more confidence that what happened over the next six months will continue. But also it's it's not clear. I mean, I don't think you could declare like, okay, they've averted recession, look at the data. It could be that there's still something ahead and, and, and that and companies are sort of reflecting that saying, yeah, we're still a little uncertain. Maybe things are getting better, but it looks like for now they're holding on a little bit. One way to do that is is to keep tight reins on on the hours worked.
0: Thank you, Kathy. Let's go back to Ben on this next question. Ben, based on these impressive job numbers, are the odds of a soft landing starting to increase now? And are there any other key indicators that you're watching that could help determine whether or not we could still have a recession this year?
2: Well, that's the million-dollar question for 2024, isn't it? You know, given. Given the strong start to the year, you, you almost have to lift the odds a little bit given the strength that we see, and we're just not seeing the downside and the slowdown more broadly that we were expecting to have at the start of the year. You well, know, we were coming into the year expecting maybe by mid-year we would see a recession, You know, we had to push that out a little bit maybe because some of the strength we have at the year. So I, I do think the odds have increased a little bit, but I still think they're sizably below 50%. I think we're still leaning towards a mild recession as the most likely with the many headwinds that are blowing in the face of the economy right now. We, we, as Kathy mentioned earlier, we are expecting job gains to slow meaningfully in coming months. Um, you know, these, this isn't a sustainable pace that we've had over the past two months, so expecting some come down from that just naturally, but I do think in general we are seeing that more businesses are cutting back on the, the amount of hiring they want to do, and, and that should cause the most important part of the economy, the consumer, and the spending that they do to pull back as well. Um, if anything, the continued resiliency may just push out those recession turns, as we said, until later in the year, maybe even into 2025, if this does continue for longer than we expect. So I don't think it's canceled our recession call, but it does further extend the expansion, You know, just as we saw over 2023. Now, at some point, if it extends it longer and longer and longer, is that really the soft landing um, you know, if it does extend it for much longer. Historically, the soft landing has resulted in an expansion that goes for a couple more years. So it's kind of a, you know, definitional term there as well. Um, you can't, hard to tell that with, without hindsight. Um, I will say, you know, for me, the most important indicator to watch remains inflation. And you hear that echoed from the commentary that we've heard from the Fed recently. Inflation really remains the most important indicator for determining whether we get a soft landing or a, a hard landing or a recession. You know, if it, inflation can slow further and that allows the Fed to lower rates, um, at least at the pace that they currently expect, or maybe even a little bit more, and maybe we cut off that the potential large negative reaction from the labor market before it happens, maybe we can achieve a soft landing. That's really the ideal scenario for us and for the Fed as we look out over the years, they're able to you know, cut off the negative impacts from the higher interest rates first and not have that flow through the late market and flow through to consumers. But, you know, I think, unfortunately, the outsized strength of the recent data might actually point in the other direction. It might ironically have increased the odds of a recession rather than reduce it because of the reaction that we might see from the Fed in coming months. If inflation remains sticky and those significant wage gains that we still see are adding to services inflation more broadly, you know, that likely means a more restrictive Fed for a longer period of time. And that scenario, which for me is still more probable at this stage, spells trouble for the economy and likely means a recession in the end, even if, again, further delayed by the stronger than the expected start to 2024. Now, Kathy, I'm curious you know, where you sit on that front and anything else you'd like to add on where we see the Fed for this year?
1: Yeah, no, I I think you said it well, Ben. I, I would just add that expectations of when the Fed will – Start at rate cuts becomes a bit of a parlor game <laughs> in a sense. But you know, and we play along with that to a degree. But I think and in that sense, we we still think that May is still very likely that when they start to to reduce rates. and if not may, then then June looks even more likely. But I think the key is, as you indicated, is how quickly, and the, the degree they're able to roll back the restrictiveness of monetary policy. And now there's two things there to consider. One, the real rate is still is, is quite high now because inflation has actually come down even faster than they thought. Core PCE inflation's running 2.9% year over year. So it's putting the real Fed funds rate well over 2% and reducing that at some point makes sense. But the longer they take to do that, the more it increases our chance of a hard landing, ironically. But the one thing to keep in mind is, you know, the kind of caveat to that is, well, maybe the uh, neutral rate, you know, the rate at which the economy is kind of runs optimally, maybe it's higher. You know, maybe we're seeing a burst in productivity growth. And that makes for a future podcast where we can cover but, I mean, that's sort of what I think the Federal Reserve has to weigh right now, along with, as you said, still number one priority is is inflation. So, in terms of the reaction function and look at inflation, now, Fed Chairman Powell told us last week that a strong economy, strong labor market wouldn't necessarily deter them from cutting rates because this past year – we had a strong economy and, and employment growth and inflation was lower. So his thinking is, well, that could continue and therefore we, we could still lower rates. However, the data on Friday and even the ISM report for uh, service side of the economy we received yesterday suggests maybe economic activity is accelerating. And if that's the case, then maybe maybe that changes the calculus and thought process for the Fed and then that sort of leads into this idea well maybe the neutral rate's higher so there's still a lot of uncertainty in processing and that you know sort of suggests that the fed is going to to wait i mean he's told us march is not likely as to start uh, time for rate cuts but i think it's you know also equally important the degree of rate cuts and sort of how they see the balance playing out between inflation and, and the economy and we'll be watching that closely too because we're getting you know some some conflicting news which you can right in the economy doesn't everything goes and go in one direction so it keeps everyone hopefully uh, open and attuned to future podcasts as we try to um, sift through this and analyze this further.
0: Well, thank you, Kathy. Let's go ahead and wrap it up there. And like you mentioned, we will be watching inflation. In fact, our next podcast, we're going to take a close look at inflation. We're about to get the CPI numbers for January, and we'll provide our analysis of that and our outlook for the year ahead. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can receive notifications for each new episode. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice, or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information. From sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2024 Nationwide.